Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're taking a look at some of the recently relegated playoff teams who are now joining us in the draft conversation. Picks 19 through 28, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all the way down to the Buffalo Bills. We're talking about those teams that were recently eliminated, what their draft needs could be, because honestly, we haven't talked about these teams a lot. We've been focusing a ton on the teams that are at the top of the draft, but we decided we needed to give these teams some love. So we're talking about how they got here in the draft order, some draft needs they have, a little bit of a free agency angle, and then some potential prospects that could go along with where they're picking. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Bell, the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sycamo. That is Connor Rogers. Joining guys a little bit later than usual. Sorry for the tardiness. Had some things going on this weekend. Couldn't release the pod as early as we normally do. But we're here. We're here, baby. We're here to talk NFL football. We're here to talk about the divisional round that we just saw this past weekend. Plus, give you guys some updated draft needs and maybe some projected players for some of the playoff teams that have already been eliminated to this point. Connor, how are we feeling today, my man? How was your weekend? I'm good. It was great. Um, got to just watch the games in any way I pleased. I didn't have to work this weekend. Can't. It felt great. Can't complain at all. The games were solid. We'll get into everything. It's um, I know you and I individually are more interested in the ripple effects, maybe for the teams that lost, especially some of the minor surprises. But uh, it was awesome, man. I'm doing good. And we are quickly approaching everybody being on the draft season bandwagon here. Yeah, it's week by week, baby. We're building up the audience a little by little. Shout out to all you guys who have been watching the shows over the last, I'll just say two to three weeks. Obviously, like we love y'all that watch the show in the season as well. Trust me, we're sending you guys love as well. But it just feels like we have gotten a ton of responses from the shows over the last two or three weeks. And it's been so much fun for us to watch this little draft community grow and hear all the opinions of what you guys are saying. As Connor said, as teams have kind of turned the page a little bit, gone from regular season into draft season mode. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, what's up to everybody who might be tuning into us for the first time. We're going to have a fun show here for you. You mentioned that we'll talk a little bit about the games. I feel like this is probably the way to do it. Chiefs, Bengals, Niners, Eagles. That is the AFC and the NFC championship matchups. Connor, did the playoffs get it right? Did the tournament format get it right with these four teams playing against each other in this manner to end up going to the Super Bowl? What do you think about these ones left? No doubt. No doubt. This is it right here. I mean... The NFC side couldn't be easier, right? I think everybody for a long time has known the Eagles would be here. And Mm -hmm. honestly, it wasn't that much longer than us knowing the Niners would be here as well. The Niners hit this stride at the end of October where, and I mean, we preach it on this pod all the time. They're slow starters. It's what they are. It's bizarre. Um And then they hit the ground running because they have a coaching staff that can make adjustments better than, really anybody in football for the most part during the season, no matter what's thrown at them, whether it's quarterback injuries, whether it's injuries on defense. And we ultimately felt pretty confident that these are the two teams that would be standing here. It's I can't tell you that I thought it would be Brock Purdy under center for the Niners, but they have found, they have found a way because people poked holes in a lot of the other teams on the NFC side, the Vikings, as many wins as they had, had a lot of holes. The Giants, Mm -hmm. great job by Brian Dable, but you just knew that eventually they'd run out of gas because of talent. 
Uh, and then on the AFC side, I know some people listening will probably be maybe a little taken aback, but I think what you saw Sunday just showed you how much more of a complete team Cincinnati is than the Buffalo Bills. And yep. Yep. it was all right there in front of you. The Bills were home. They Buffalo has a lot of pride in the weather and the conditions and all those things. But at the end of the day, Brian Callahan and, and Zach Taylor coached absolute circles around Leslie Frazier's defense. Absolutely. Coached circles mm-hmm. around that entire Bills defense. Josh Allen's mistakes that have been a bit of an issue this year continued on in a way. They are very reliant on Stephon Diggs. And when Diggs has a down game, they have a down offense for the most part. Their mm-hmm. offensive line is very, very thin and not on par with a lot of the other top teams in football. Those are a really good team. And Buffalo fans have a lot of pride in that team. And um, there's a lot to be very optimistic about with the Bills for a long time going forward. But I was always surprised how carried away things got with them being the undisputed Super Bowl favorites when you looked around around the league in November and December. Cincinnati's front seven coming together. Burrow always being up for the big moment. We'll get into the Chiefs-Jacksonville, but uh, we kind of knew what would happen there. Jacksonville, very, very fun run, and they were playing with house money, so they have nothing to be ashamed of, but we know the powerhouse the Chiefs are. So, yeah, to be honest with you, Trevor, I don't even think it was close. I think these are the four teams. And and full transparency, remember the What Matters Most pod? I I mean, I said I thought the Chiefs and the Bengals were in a totally different atmosphere in the AFC, and – it probably seemed jarring at the time, but the Bills just had some holes, unfortunately, that they couldn't come overcome this year, injuries included. I was somebody who, I, in my final playoff prediction, I said that it would be Bills-Chiefs in the entry at the AFC Championship. I said the Chiefs would win it. And the way that I've looked at the Bills is, I feel as though the ceiling of the Bills and really just the overall makeup of the team made it like made it this squad that you like didn't want to bet against you know like you sure. saw so many different flashes um certainly on the offensive side of the ball on the defensive line when everything was working there you know when the secondary was getting healthier when they were coming together like this just was a team that you didn't want to bet against but as i sit here and i th- i thought about that question as well before the pod started did the playoffs get it right yeah they got it right the bengals are the better team they are and I think that I kind of just let myself when I was doing my playoff prediction, look at the bills. And I agree with you. It doesn't mean that the bills are not a good football team. They're a very good football team. And they're one of those little bit too hot and cold of uh, uh, the teams in tier one, if you will. Mm-hmm. And you didn't really want to bet against them because of the highs that they had. But uh, Cincinnati is just consistently better. Uh, I wish the game would have been cleaner from a weather perspective. Uh, I know that we talk about some I of don't. the. I love it. I, look, I know, and and people people love the lore of the snow games and the rain games and the mud games. Sometimes, especially when the postseason's on the line, like it's these crazy conditions. Who can, you know, grab victory in these un less than ideal circumstances, right? And a lot of people love to look back on those games and reminisce about those games. I'm, I'm kind of a wet blanket about it because when we get to the postseason. I want both teams to be to be able to have a shot at showing what they do best outside of whether playing a role in it. And it was in Buffalo. I agree with you. They take pride in it. Uh, they boast about it that it's their home turf that they're that they can deal with it better than other teams. But Cincinnati, 
uh, handled everything better in that game. And I do think that we got it right here. The NFC is the obvious one, um, but the AFC, I, I agree. I, I think that's the, certainly the way that things played out. Cincinnati is absolutely um, one of the final two teams that, that should have been represented in the AFC. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with, with this next game, man. I mean, I know it's in Kansas City, but like how healthy is Mahomes going to be? That's the variable that you makes can, you this can, game. You can, you can sit there with the adrenaline flowing and you you know, you know can get the painkillers in him and you can get yeah. him through a game. But when you've got to go to sleep the next night and when you've got to sit there, look, he's going to be doing treatment as much as humanly possible over the next six days. But <sighs> Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr., man, they're two of the offensive tackles that have given up the most pressures so far this season. Andrew Wiley's given up 49, gave up 49 during the regular season, and uh, Orlando Brown Jr. gave up 46. Both of those numbers were top 10 in the NFL or bottom 10, however you want to look at it. Just saying, man. <laughs> this game's going to get wild. <laughs> this game, the Bengals have a legit shot to win this game and and repeat as AFC as AFC champions, certainly uh, since they've had the, the Chiefs number the last couple of times, too. So I agree with you. I think the playoffs got it right. They did, and it's it kind of leads us in the conversation, right, as much as... You know, we're really excited for the AFC Championship games, and there's a lot to talk about with those teams. I know a lot of you, probably at least 90% of you sitting here listening, are here for the opposite reason, for what do the teams do that could not get over the hump? And I look at the Cowboys and the Bills as being in that bucket, right? I There's teams that overachieved this year, and they, they are in this conversation because this show is about team building. It will always be primarily about team building and they have a lot of work to do as well but jacksonville and the giants it always felt like they were playing with house money where if they won they're a cinderella if they lost in this round are you upset as a fan of course you are that's natural but they still overachieved and punched so far above their weight class where mm-hmm. the cowboys trevor seven divisional loss a lot uh round losses in a row it's an nfl record i mean they, if that's not unable to get over a hump i don't know what is and the bills bills fans understandably because they were fed this it was super bowl this year it, it wasn't make it back to the afc title game it no, wasn't no, win the afc right. east again it wasn't even make it to the super bowl it was win your first super bowl title as a franchise and I mean, they, there's just no way around it. They are they are going to be going into next season with everybody wondering, are they better than the Bengals or the Chiefs? And what right. do they have to do to get better than the Bengals and the Chiefs? Because I'll say it right now, and I, I love Josh Allen. I love watching Josh Allen. Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes are better quarterbacks than Josh Allen right now. They are. They, they, they are certainly better. I think better is a loaded word, but they certainly play to their potential more consistently i think. yeah that's a they, that's a very good way of putting they, it they do what they need to do whether it's throw for 400 yards one game or throw for 200 yards one game well, that's like, a really wh- good point whatever the script is they play to the script more consistently than josh allen does so yeah and to be fair to josh allen he doesn't have a t higgins as his number two Gabe Davis was yeah, we're we're gonna we're, we'll talk about yeah. that. I know. I mean, I we, know we should go about that. like that's where we have to go. Uh, he doesn't have uh, Andy. Like Dorsey's been a nice story. Andy Reid's on another playing field, and obviously yeah. they have Beanie on staff as well. I mean, like like Dorsey seems to be fine and up and comer. I know they've been waiting for him to be that take that job over for a while. They have Joe Brady as the quarterbacks coach, but I watched the structure of the Bills' offense. 
And I don't see the same structure that Cincinnati and Kansas City have as well. So I do want to take some of that off Josh Allen's shoulders to be fair. Yeah, yeah. And I think that we'll get into that a little bit too. We didn't do this as much last week. I think we mentioned where the teams were in the draft order after the Super Wild Card round, but we didn't really dive into what some of the draft needs were going to be and some potential draft targets for them. So that's what the meat and cheese of this show is going to be about here. And we'll start with 19. And we'll just work our way down with the teams that all the way got eliminated all the way to, to Buffalo, which is picking uh, 27th, right? 27th? 28th. 28th. Uh, so we'll go from 19 to 28. And we'll do some discussions about some team needs for uh, for these teams. Because we also, for a lot of these teams, we haven't really touched on it throughout the season. You know, no. we've been focusing a lot, a lot on the teams that are going to dominate the top of the draft. So I think this will be good. This will be a new conversation for us. We'll start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, do you want to start with their team needs or do you want me to? You, I would like you to start with the team needs, especially okay. your knowledge of the Bucks is better than anybody's. But I, they are just such a variable because their offseason can go like this if Tom right. Brady comes back. And right. if he doesn't, it can go like this. And then right down the middle of the highway is Derek Carr or someone like that, where you're like, yeah, we're trying to still. <laughs> no. I'm just being honest. Go ahead, though. No, I I, I completely agree with you. The the what you have to say before you even have a conversation about the Buccaneers is that they're in, the, the offseason looks completely different whether or not Tom Brady does it, comes back or not. Mm-hmm. I don't think he comes back to Tampa. Now, I will say that I think the most likely destination for him is still San Francisco. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Tampa might be second after San Francisco, but I think he's going to try to get out. I really do. Like, I think he's, I think he's going to try to leave Byron Leftwich, not the offensive coordinator there anymore. Clyde Christensen's not the quarterback coach anymore. Uh, a lot of other assistants got fired as well. Todd Bowles is still there as head coach. So there's a major, which is probably overhaul. not a good thing. I mean, I, honestly, like if I you're, mean, if you're, you're Tom Brady, you're like, I'm going to go back to Todd Bowles led team. And, and, what and Todd Bowles shown ever I, as a head coach. I don't know the thing, the, 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 the part about Tom Brady and where you're predicting where he might go is, I don't know what means the most to Tom Brady right now. Great question. Yeah. Is it where his kids are, right? Like, seriously. Yeah, because I, I think his kids are on the East Coast, right? Does he want to go all the way to the West Coast and live on the West Coast for most of the year? And I don't know how often he's going to be able to see his kids. Now, certainly, he's extremely rich. So, you know, flying private or whatever, like getting to the West Coast. It's. I am it's, not going to Google where do Tom Brady's kids leave, live <laughs> for this show. We're, we're not doing that. I believe they're all on the East Coast, right? Like, that was the whole thing. I thought thing, they were down in Florida. That, yeah, down yeah, in Florida. So I, but I, I think I don't. Are his parents back home? I mean, they're older. That I, that I don't. That I don't know. I don't know all those details there, but I think that that goes like his proximity to family closes. Obviously, yeah. we know football wise what is the most important to Tom Brady. It's winning a Super Bowl. He like you. He has to go to a team that wants to win a Super Bowl. That's why the Raiders talk doesn't make any sense to me. There are a lot of people going like, "Oh no. yeah, the Raiders make a lot of sense for Tom Brady." Why? Because they have a quarterback situation that's open. That's, I mean, that's not a prerequisite for Tom Brady. The offensive line's terrible. The defensive line's all over the place. Sure, they have a good supporting cast when it comes to, like, pass catchers and a running back. But, like, is that enough? to win? You're, you're telling me that's enough to win the Super Bowl? He's, he's going to go to a team in the AFC that doesn't have a good offensive line in front of him, that doesn't have a good defense, that has to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year, that has to play Justin Herbert twice a year, that has to play, I don't know, maybe a Denver Broncos team that gets Sean Payton twice a year, and you're in the same— and you're in the same conference with Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. How about this? No, <laughs> he's not, he's not going to do that. That would be I I I would be floored if he went to the Raiders. Go ahead. Uh, 
how about the things that we know he doesn't care about, right? Tom Brady does not care about how much money he makes. Well, he sure, yes. Tom Brady, yeah, doesn't. So that eliminates, it's more than that. It's not just a team that can pay him a lot. It's also the fact that if you go play for the Raiders, there's no state income tax. So, which, yes, he's playing for a team in Florida where there's no state income tax, but mm-hmm. that's not a driving factor. And for, right, like, here's an example. For Tyree Kill, that was basically the driving factor. It was, oh, I'll go to the Dolphins. I'll get all my money there. And I think so he that, has a house in Miami, too. Like, yeah, it, was, exactly. it was a it was, it was a, just no, no brainer for him. For him. Um, so, yeah, when you look at it, there, you're right, Trevor. The variables are what we don't know with Tom. Is, is it just Super Bowl over everything? Is it I want to – is it – here's the, the thing we talk about sometimes. Is it the inner childhood dream of being the 49ers quarterback? Sure, right. That Like, there are weird things. Not weird. It's not weird at all. I actually think it's uh, very admirable for some guys to want to fulfill things that meant something to them before they were ever established. And that yeah. that could still be within him. You never yeah. know. 100%. No, it's 100%. I didn't mean for this to devolve into a big Tom Brady conversation. But, but like it you, has to be one. Like, it's like so, you so said, important. You, you do have to mention it. I think certainly if he doesn't come back, you are contemplating maybe getting aggressive for a quarterback in this draft. Let's mm. say that they won't, though. Like, let's say no matter what, either they're playing Kyle Trask, they're getting a veteran like a Jimmy G or somebody, and Tom Brady's there or not, let's say the quarterback's not really in the conversation. I think it has to be trenches no matter what. This team's pass rush when Shaq Barrett went out for the season was non-existent. They had no one who could get after the passer. Now, Joe Tryon Shoyinka could could give you some pressures, but he's not a sack guy yet. He didn't know how to get around the edge or beat his offensive tackle quick enough in order to get quarterbacks down and get sacks. Shaq Barrett's the only one who was a sack master who actually knew how to get the quarterback down with the football. Vita Vea, obviously, a lot of pressures. Akeem Hicks, when he was out there, great interior presence. They did not have an edge rusher that could get to the quarterback. Zero pass rush whatsoever. So I think edge rusher has to be very high on their list of guys that they would draft at 19. And then on the flip side, with no Ali Marpet at left guard this year, Donovan Smith once again got exposed a lot like he had in previous seasons. You know, when they had that Super Bowl season in 2020 and even last year in 2021, just while Marpet was there and while that offensive line was good, Donovan Smith all of a sudden became the quote unquote weakest link on the offensive line. If Donovan Smith's the weakest link that you have on the offensive line, you're doing okay. But if Donovan Smith's like the second best offensive lineman you have, that's not good. That's it's not good at all. And without Ali Marpet next to him, I thought he got exposed. Obviously, they didn't really have an answer at left guard. So I think the left side of that offensive line also has they got to have a conversation about upgrading, um, getting a starter in at left guard, getting a, a, a starter at left tackle. So I just think trenches, no matter what, for Tampa Bay, um, no matter who's a quarterback, they've got to fix that. Without a doubt. And here's my question to you, Trevor. They've sunk two top 35 picks in the last two years on guys that are supposed to affect the quarterback, Tryon Shanka, um, and of course, Logan Hall. Mm-hmm. Do you, is there any scenario where they look at that and go, well, we're waiting for these guys to develop at this point. I mean, cause those are, those are significant investments. Yeah. And they haven't paid off yet. Yeah. But like it could, uh, the, the light could come on for trying to because he has been getting absolutely. Back. And he has been getting better. And and I do think that he could take a leap next year, which would be huge for them. Now, hopefully get Shaq Barrett again back next year. And so, like, maybe it just looks totally different 
if Tryon Shuyan could take that next step. But like Logan Hall, Logan Hall was kind of like a tweener anyways. I always felt mm-hmm. like Logan Hall was a really good draft pick for them as a rotational, versatile defensive lineman to be able to give them relief on the interior and on the edge. But I don't know if Logan Hall's this full-time starting difference maker for them. So the draft pick made sense if you thought you had a Super Bowl team and you were simply trying to extend that Super Bowl window with guys that you could play in a variety of spots, guys that could come in as a rotational player in a variety of different spots, like whatever it is. Um, But I just... I don't know how much Logan Hall is actually going to be an impact player for them. Maybe he will find a home. Shoot, maybe they are going to start putting him at edge rusher or something, and he looks absolutely fantastic. But his build and his just, I think, the overall plan of like how you would use him, how he would be clearly very effective in the NFL, I don't know if that's like major difference maker as a starter. So that's kind of how I look at that situation there. I think that you still have to go after defensive line if defensive line isn't what it's needed to be. How about uh, Osiris Torrance as an option for them in the first round if they decide to go offensive line? So if they get Ryan Jensen fully healthy back to start next season and you have Osiris Torrance, Ryan Jensen, and Shaq Mason on the interior of your offensive line, you're doing all right. Like yeah. you're, doing, you're doing you can run you can run some power you can yes. you can you can run some power behind that offensive line so i uh i i mean i i think that that could be an option for them i'm not so sure they're going to pick a guard in the first mm. round so yeah it's a big no for for some gms i just don't i just don't think it's going to happen i think they they probably go edge rusher if all things are equal all right want to go to seattle at 20 yeah. Sure. Yeah, so you, Seattle, start, you, you start this one. Tell me what Seattle's you think. Seattle's fascinating about. because they are not really a new conversation because they hold the fifth pick in the draft, which is the Broncos' tri- uh, pick. That's true. Or part of the Russ trade, but we mm-hmm. still want to go over them because we don't talk about this scenario a lot. Seattle is a team that at number five, you are going to consistently see front seven players uh, mock to them. They mm-hmm. invested heavily on their offensive line last year. They did a really, really good job developing those guys uh, those tackles played at a high level right away um kenneth walker obviously running behind them seattle has a lot of promising aspects on offense right now and we're assuming geno smith's going to be back in the fold and then you get to 20 and it feels a little bit more of a wild card than number five because number five could be one of the top pass rushers we don't think jalen carter will be there but you never know if a brazee gets in the combo we've talked about tyree wilson Hell, you could see Christian Gonzalez or uh, Devon Witherspoon in that conversation, but it feels very cut and dry is what I would say. At 20, it feels like the door is a little bit more open for Seattle to move out of this pick, take the best player available. Mm -hmm. They are a team that actually got a lot of production out of the tight end position last year, and the tight end was such an... uh, you know, integral part of the offense. It was a very important part of the offense, even though the Noah fan acquisition might not have paid off in the way that you hoped for before Will Disley got hurt. He's a guy that can make an impact as well. They they value the tight end position. Is this where Michael Mayer's name starts in the draft? I would never rule something out like that. But I ultimately could see Seattle doubling up on defense in this draft. They have some questions on the back end, even with Jamal Adams returning. Sure, you like the promise of Tariq Woolen. Still think they need another corner. 
still think they need more help with the front seven. Hell, Trevor, and I, I'm curious your thoughts on this. I know they took Boye Mafe in the top 45 last year, but they could even double up on defensive linemen, edge and interior in this first round. Yeah, that's that's what I have it. When I look at their needs, and f- five obviously is where you could dip into this as well, and I think that they will. It feels like defensive line makes the most sense at five, um, just because yeah. you're going to be able to get a major difference maker there, whether it's you know a Jalen Carter, a Will Anderson, or um, a Brian Brzee, uh, maybe a Miles Murphy, some somebody like that. 20, I think you start to talk about corner, getting a CB2, um, a Deontay Banks, a Keely Ringo, like somebody like that, somebody who could sure. play, somebody who you could play in press man on the outside. I don't know what Keely Stock's going to be at this point. I know we talked about him as like we like him, but at the same time, you know, the 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 drawbacks for Keely Ringo were he feels out of control and it's a dangerous, it's a that's a dangerous note in a scouting report for a corner. You know, especially when fun. you're especially when you're a press man guy. It's funny because Woolen was a little bit like that. They took Woolen in the fifth round, so it's not the same conversation. Right. But sure, sure. Woolen was a very uh technically messy corner. Yes. But yeah. an all world athlete that had splash mm-hmm. plays, and they kind of were able to dial him in a little not a little bit, a lot of bit a where lot. Yeah. maybe they're willing to take Maybe they're willing to take Keely Ringo, who's 6'2", 210, and can run in the four, you know, four four area. You never know. Uh, I, th- I think that he he could be a guy that Seattle would definitely have their eyes on. Um, I look at you know, pass rusher as well. I know they took Boye Mafe, but you know maybe they want more of a, a heavy handed pass rusher. You know they maybe maybe they want more of a five tech on the other side of things because they've got Uchenna Nwosu as well, who's a great little bit lighter of a pass rusher. Yeah, great year for him. Mafe will kind of be able to play that same role, or they could flip Mafe to the other side. But do they want two lighter, faster pass rushers? Maybe they want a heavier handed guy. So I think that that goes into it. There we touched on corner, wide receiver. I think is also a decent need for them. Right, Tyler Lockett ain't getting any younger. I don't think he's like totally over the hill yet. I'm not saying that. But he was like, great Lockett, this year, but he, yeah, is, Lock- he is older. You're right. Lockett, Lockett ain't getting any older. The other wide receivers they have on the team, Marquise Goodwin, they have D. Eskridge, but I mean, he just hasn't really worked it's out for hurt. them. Derek Young, I know they like his athletic potential. They need a number three. They need a number three. I, I think they do it. I think they need a number three who can be their number two when Tyler Lockett is done. Like, I don't think they need, like, just this specialized number three, maybe, like, a field stretcher or something like that. I think they need a – what are you saying? Jackson Smith and Jigba. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, he could – he could certainly be a guy who you could draft as a three, very savvy wide receiver. You get him on the field. You get him a lot of production. um, And then – it's a very easy transition to get back to get uh, to get the Tyler Lockett spot and Tyler Lockett's usage whenever that time comes. So yeah, I, I mean, I think we see the Seahawks need similarly. The only other one that I have on this list is quarterback, depending on what you do with Geno. Now, I'm not somebody whose team like move on from Geno or anything, but even if they sign Geno Smith, what kind of deal are they signing him to? They sign him to a two year deal. They sign him to a three-year deal that's really technically a two-year deal with where the guarantees are. I mean, you could say the th- same thing about a four-year deal. Is it a four-year deal that, yeah, I mean, really most of the money's in the first two years, so how much are you actually committing to the guy? If you only think he's going to be around for two years max, are you drafting a quarterback at five? Are you drafting a quarterback at 20? Like, what are you doing? So I just think, just saying, that's within the realm of possibility for the Seahawks. 
You have to talk about it. Drew Locke's a UFA, so they don't have a backup going into next year. So the roster is open to carry a backup. I mean, you could even look at 53, pick 53, and think, you know, is this an area where we consider taking a guy? Do we look in the third round, making sure they have their third round? Pick 84. Do you take Hendon Hooker at 84, a guy that you Mm. can fit into your system and you think when he's healthy, he could be your long-term backup ready to take over for Geno? Something along along those lines. I wish... uh, this is kind of that scenario. I wish Penix was in the draft, not just because he plays for Washington, which is down the street in Seattle, but because I actually think his arm that would talent have been great. I actually think his play style fits perfectly in the Seattle offense. Um, but yeah, you're right. Gino's contract is a massive, massive question because I, I don't know, man. I I am just on the side of, and I know you've leaned on, you know, kind of with me on this as well. I think Geno Smith and Daniel Jones are getting a lot of money, dude. I, I really mm-hmm. do. I just think I they have too. the leverage. I don't think Giants ownership, and I'll save the Giants talk until we get there, uh, or Seahawks management would, you know, they those two wouldn't allow those guys to leave, and they'll go the extra mile to keep them because what is your alternative? Where you're picking, there's no alternative. Free agency can get very, very ugly and scary with how many teams need a guy. I, I just go back to Ryan Tannehill's contract with the Titans, which reminder everybody was a four year, $118 million contract. Um, the cap hits are all over the place, but the, you know, the annual average of that is, is manageable in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, 62 was fully guaranteed, which isn't really that nuts. I, I wouldn't be shocked. If Daniel Jones and Gino Smith sniff around the Tannehill deal. Maybe. I mean, I do think they're getting, I think they're getting more money than, than the public is willing yeah. to project but we shall see what about the chargers chargers are next because miami doesn't have their pick they forfeited their first round pick 21 is a forfeited selection technically Mm. chargers chargers 22 what do you think about this group what do you think their uh what do you think their needs would be oh man i i mean their defense actually started to get i was gonna say get it together and then of course the way the season ended was not great but besides Mm. that at the end of the year it felt like for the, the chargers for so long were a team that needed some beef up front, I thought, and here's kind of the issue with them, right? JC Jackson had a significant season ending injury. He looked horrible before he got hurt. And he's on the books next year for a $17 million cap hit and $32 million in dead money if you cut him. So you can't cut him. You, you can't even consider cutting him until like two or three years from now. So you're stuck. Where is he at? Do you need a corner because of that? I mean, these are the hard conversations that you have to ask. If you're looking mm-hmm. at it and going, this guy, I don't know if he mailed it in when he got paid or he just stunk in our system or what the deal was and then got hurt. Well, that scares me. So I don't completely rule off corner here, Trevor. I think then you have the question with the Chargers, which this is probably more of a day two situation for them. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen get banged up and they need a third wide receiver, and I get people might like a Josh Palmer or DeAndre Carter kind of players, but it feels like they need that other target for Justin Herbert where the offense isn't just Austin Eckler or Gerald Everett. They got a good year out of him, but I'm, I'm looking strictly at wide receiver, but I do think that's a thing that that, that would ultimately get solved on, on day two. But if the Chargers are, Chargers are in this place at 22 where they sit there and go, wow, Everybody want, has the same idea. They're all waiting till day two to get their wide receiver. None mm. have been taken as we sit here with the 21st pick of the draft. Do we take the best guy? Do we take Jordan Addison, right? 
at 21 because we think he could play the slot for us next year with Keenan and Mike on the team and then ultimately evolve and do a high-end number two for us down the road when the money is off the books for one of those guys. Uh, the Chargers are one of those teams that, yes, they are a good team. Yes, they are an ascending team. But you can almost go any direction on the roster in this draft. They need somebody that's going to get them over the top. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like the most obvious thing in the world, but they are again like kind of what you said. One of those teams where like they're right there. They just need somebody to kind of like put them over the edge. And I, I still think that this team desperately needs a deep threat wide receiver. I don't know if you're going to get one in this class. Jalen Hyatt is somebody I like, but I don't think Jalen Hyatt's like a guy that you would spend a first round pick on. And if you are, I think you're pigeonholing yourself into just simply telling him to just run go balls all the time. Is that a first round wide receiver that you want? I don't know, probably not. But the Chargers desperately need some speed, especially when Guyton went out last year when he got hurt. They just had nobody. They had nobody that could stretch the field, e- even with Allen and Williams in there. Like they just they, they need a field stretcher. They need a speed component in their offense. Certainly with Joe, Joe Lombardi now, gone now, you're hoping that the offense is a little bit different. You're hoping that they get more of Justin Herbert's arm and he's pushing it a little bit further down the field. But I don't I don't know where that speed comes from in this draft. Maybe it's a Jordan Addison. Maybe it's more of a play like that. Because Jordan Addison can be a deep threat guy. We've seen him um have a really hard, high, sorry, average depth of target throughout the last two years as a Belinikoff winner, and then what we've seen this last year from USC. So we know that Jordan Addison is capable of a really high target high target load and uh, giving you a good return on investment. But they still need speed at that wide receiver position. And it's just not a great class to need the speed. high talent's not there. Yeah, that's who. It's a good point. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, like, you're right. The high-end talent's definitely not there. We've seen people say, like, a lot of teams are comfortable right now waiting for wide receiver on day two, but especially with athletes. Whether it's first round, second round, third round, wherever it is, there's just not a lot of premier athletes that are going to be able to separate for you and and, and be that deep threat like it has been in in other years past. So we're not really seeing that. There's not a Jalen Waddell. Um you know, obviously, like Henry Ruggs situation ended tragically in so many ways, but like even him was picked very high because of his speed, what he was able to bring there. And it's just those elements don't exist in this draft class. It's not there this year like it has been in years past. So I would love our wide receiver. I don't know if they're going to get one. They definitely need more pass rushers as well. Khalil Mack looked like the only guy who could consistently collapse the pocket. Joey Bosa was hurt most of the year, and I think he'll be fine when he comes back next year. I know a lot of Chargers fans are freaking out about Joey Bosa not really giving them a lot of return on investment lately, but I, he's still a really good edge rusher when he's healthy. He just He just wasn't healthy this year, so I'm not as worried there. The only other position that I really bring up for the Chargers is linebacker. Drew Tranquil is set to hit free agency. Might not, I don't know if he's going to be brought back or not, but it just felt like the linebacker level in general. Um, a couple of those guys got banged up throughout the year and they did not have the depth anyway. So is this where a guy like a Trenton Simpson could potentially come off the board? A guy like a Drew Sanders could potentially come off the board. Like how much would they want to go into linebacker? Would they want to invest their first round pick in a linebacker? Maybe not. Maybe they'll wait on it. Uh, that was just another position that when I was looking at their roster and potential needs, that was something that I saw there. So that's what I think with the Chargers. The two wide receivers that I think on day two, if they do go speed, like you hinted at, you brought up Jalen Hyatt. We'll see where he, we'll see where he comes off the board. Uh, and Cincinnati wide receiver Tyler Scott, he's been, I believe, laser timed sub four three, and somebody that could absolutely fly. So we'll see. And one last note, I figured you'd appreciate this one. Top 10 quarterbacks in passing yards this year. Mahomes mm-hmm. at the top, mm-hmm. then Herbert, 
Yeah. Brady, yeah. Cousins, Burrow, Goff, Josh Allen, Geno Smith, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts. Yards per attempt. The only guy with a lower yards per attempt than Herbert in that top 10 was Tom Brady, who's almost 50 years old. So they need to get a vertical passing yes. threat. Yes. And gear more towards with their new offensive coordinator a vertical passing attack. That Justin Herbert should not be only just sitting behind Tom Brady in yards per attempt in the top ten of passers. That's that can't happen. And it's not close, by the way. He's at six point eight. Everybody else besides Brady is above seven. So, all right, keeping it moving from the Chargers, we have the Baltimore Ravens. Who mm-hmm. you want to talk about Tampa being volatile in this? I don't even know where to go with the Ravens. I don't think the Ravens know where to go. No, look, I mean, if Lamar's not there anymore, the only thing that matters is quarterback, right? I mean, they're sure, you know, they're, if they're, if Lamar is gone, they're sitting here at, what is it? 23, 24. Pick the forfeited pick slot screwing you up. So it's 20. They picked 22nd overall. They're. Here's They're screwed. Question. Sorry. They're Can screwed. I ask you something? They're screwed if they, if, they, if they move on from Lamar or if Lamar moves on from them. They're screwed. Let me ask you this. Okay, go ahead. When the draft is on television this yeah. year, yeah. do they get to pick 21 for Miami and go, this pick is forfeited and then put the Chargers on the clock at 22? So say the Chargers took Jordan Addison. Is Jordan Addison the 22nd overall pick in the draft, even though he's the 21st player taken? Why no, am I getting it, that he, vibe? No, I think, yeah, he's 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 the 22nd pick in the draft. Yes. That's stupid. Correct. But I, he's I, not I the do, 22nd pick I in the draft. Think, Forfeited is not a player. It's not a selection. It is now, brother. I don't know what to tell you. What happened, in the, what happened when the Patriots said they're... She had forfeited. What happened? I don't remember. What year was that? Um, I don't remember. Patriots lose. I'll do the research and you keep talking. Okay. So Ravens, obviously quarterback becomes paramount for them if they lose Lamar. But uh, let's just look at the roster kind of it is as it is. I see two major needs for them. Still needing a major difference maker at wide receiver. This is another team that I think could use a vertical field stretcher. It's funny that they're picking back-to-back with the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. A guy like Jalen Hyatt, I think, would be a really great use for them. Um, I'd love to see him in this offense. They've got a Mark Andrews as a guy who could win over the middle, short, intermediate. They also have Rashad Bateman, who I think could win at all three levels. But they really need somebody else who's very reliable. Maybe this is a... um, Maybe this is Jordan Addison's spot, but even with me saying that out loud, are they going to pick a wide receiver that's built the way that Jordan Addison is? I don't know. He's just smaller, skinnier. I don't. I don't know if Baltimore is going to invest a first round pick in a wide receiver like that. Maybe they will. I'm just not sure. I'm just throwing this out there as questions. I can't remember if Baltimore has thresholds for their wide receivers or not, but um, that's a question that you want answered. And then corner, corner, uh, Kyle Fuller, Marcus Peters, both of them unrestricted free agents coming up. And I think the corner all of a sudden becomes a major need for them. So you could potentially see a Keely Ringo. Um, God, who else do we have uh, rounding it out? Cam Smith. Keely Ringo, Deontay Banks. I'm looking at it, looking at it now. Clark Phillips, Cam Smith, Emmanuel Forbes, right? Like and yeah, maybe Forbes, and, is, Forbes is their type. Any, any, any of these guys that I think could be on the board for, for the Ravens. All right, what happened? with the So game? while the selection was forfeited, they don't count the slot. So the okay. Niners took Joshua Garnett 28th. 
and then the Patriots forfeited the pick, and then 29th was the Cardinals taking Robert Kimdichie. What a what a great back to back pick slot. Garnett forfeited and Robert Kimdichie. So then the start of the second round is pick 32. Correct. Yes. Hmm. So my fears are uh my fears are lifted. Okay. Um any other thoughts from the Ravens before we move on? No, I mean, the question, I thought you brought up an interesting point about wide receiver because the whole thought always was with Greg Roman there, you know, they can run with the best of them, but they basically don't care about their wide receivers and the wide receivers don't really want to go there and play in that system. Mm -hmm. So what does this system look like now? What quarterback is playing in it? On and on we go. The Ravens, very similar to the Bucs, although the Bucs, at least we knew their needs a little more clear cut. The Ravens are a very fascinating team right now to try to figure out. And one, we will update uh, continuously throughout the off season. Vikings. What do you think about the Vikings? They're picking next. So Kirk cousins is back. Cause they got that bandaid extension done last year, which I-, I know everybody's thinking of the last play, but overall they probably feel good about that rather than having to solve this quarterback situation. Now they have the bandaid on the deal. Adam Thielen. I don't know how I don't know how good you have you feel about it because the goal is to win a Super Bowl, right? Yeah, and I mean, like I think that Kirk Cousins can absolutely win you the division. I think that Kirk Cousins can absolutely get you to the NFC Championship. I don't think that Kirk Cousins is a Super Bowl quarterback. That's so I don't, fair. I feel like you. I feel like maybe. I don't really know how Vikings fans feel about it. You, you guys, if if we got any Vikings fans listening to this podcast. Let us know because I don't think either Connor or I think that Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback. And in fact, I echo what Connor said. This was a good year from Kirk Cousins, but like he's not going to win a Super Bowl. I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I just, I, I don't think he's that caliber of a quarterback. So are you like upset? Like, do you just think that your team's in purgatory? Where are you right now with Kirk Cousins? I'd love to hear that. I don't mean to to devolve this podcast into a Kirk Cousins debate, but. I just wanted to say that because it popped into my head. No, it's fair. And while Kirk Cousins isn't always the most inspiring quarterback in the league, here's the reality with the Vikings. Their defense sucked. It was horrific. They got shredded by Daniel Jones in the playoffs. And quite frankly, one of my last reminders is if Braxton Berrios just catches the ball, they also got shredded by Mike White at the end of the game. So Mm. like bad, not, it's not fair to call Daniel Jones a bad quarterback quarterbacks that you should be handling your business against took care of this defense this year. So I lean defense with them. So Darius Smith uh, has already begun the wiping of the Instagram as we sit here and record. <laughs> he can, they can get out of a $17 million cap hit from him next year mm-hmm. and only take on 3.3 million in dead money. They yes. love Daniel Hunter. Who's a stud, but man, I just I look at pass rush again if that's what's going to happen. And this is a good draft class for pass rush. They're picking at 24. Is this kind of that range where you think a Lucas Van Ness? Is this kind of a range where you want a bigger guy? Keon White sneaks into the conversation. I, I think that they have to be thinking pass rush here, Trevor. And um, this is maybe even a slot that I don't know what somebody would be coming up for. But I think the tier of pass rusher wouldn't be that different if you just ultimately moved out of the first round. And to the top of the second as well. Yeah, Dalvin Tom, Dalvin Tomlinson's an unrestricted free agent too. You know Ooh, what are you going to do? With, that's a big one. What are you going to do with him? Um, and he's a pretty big pet presence. They got Jordan Phillips 
I believe still. Let me double check that just so I'm not a liar. And Tomlinson was on a two-year, $21 million deal. And admittedly, I saw a lot of him last year. I didn't see enough of him this year, but... Oh, they do have Kyrie's Tonga. They do, yes. I like Kyrie's Tonga. But still, beefing up the D-line. Yeah. You're... Is where my thought goes. Right, and depending on what they do with Tomlinson, they might switch up whether they're running an odd front or an even front. That's a good point. Um, they also could take another corner because yeah, they could certainly take another corner. I also great there, dude. I look at linebacker too. Like you can move on from Eric Kendricks and save a lot of money. I think Kendricks could be gone as they move on for stuff. Like you, you mentioned, Darius Smith could be gone as well. Jordan Hicks, their other linebacker, could be gone too. Like linebacker defense becomes... could look entirely different. Yeah, linebacker. I think this pick has to be on defense for as much as I also look at wide receiver and say, like, all right, uh, you could probably use a better wide receiver too. You're probably moving on from Adam Thielen or phasing him out more. I don't know. Why how much not elevate Osborne's role a little bit? I if think you feel he'll like get you need, right? More, I mean, like, I think he'll get more work, but who's, then who's, I guess Hawkinson. Yeah. I guess you have Hawkinson for that reason. I was about to say, like, if you're in, 11 personnel, what are you going to do? But I feel like they can live in a world where they're utilizing tight end as wide receiver three as well, for especially as much as they leaned on Hawkinson in the postseason. So maybe maybe wide receiver isn't something they're going to even think about touching in the first round. Maybe it's got to be all defense. So I agree with you. I think defensive line, pass rusher, it's got to be there. And then linebacker too. Like if they lose Hicks and Kendricks, it's Brian Asamoah, Troy die. I don't yes. even like, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even know who LB two on this team is. So I think linebacker all of a sudden becomes a major need for them. If they it end is. up moving on from their two veterans. So yeah, that's kind of how I see Minnesota makes you think as we talked about both needs, Trenton Simpson, a guy that can maybe rush a little bit for you. Sure. But play off the ball with mm-hmm. a lot of athleticism and space. So the Vikings that were definitely leaning towards defense the next team and this is the divisional round losers what we just recap were the losers from the wild card round the divisional round losers starts with jacksonville at 25 what a turnaround for jacksonville this season after a disastrous year with urban meyer doug peterson comes in they get off to the slow start they turn it around trevor lawrence finishes the year strong and this is a team that a lot of things are going in the right direction for jacksonville Mm -hmm. but ultimately uh, they still have some key needs here. They do have Calvin Ridley returning to the team or joining the team next joining year. Is the how team? I should... Joining the team. He's never been a part of the team. I thought when Walker can, Little flashed when can he when actually when can he actually be in Jackson? Probably the new league year. Like March? March? Yeah, when, when yeah, they like turn the it over? Okay. Yeah, officially when the league year's over. Okay. Evan Ingram was on a one-year deal. He was a big part of their offense, so they'll have to figure that out. Zay Jones and Christian Kirk looked like really good additions. Trevor, where where do you kind of look at this team and go, man, this is the area where if they want to start running with the big dogs, the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Bills, they have to be better here. And I didn't realize, I didn't realize the Jags have like no cap space. You know what's funny? Not a lot of teams do. It's an ugly cap year. They're at, they're at negative 23 million in effective cap space for 20. How did they even get? Oh, well, they did have some they, crazy they, signed, they signed a lot of people last year yep um yeah uh, i'll pull up their easy cuts 
I certainly okay. Like certainly CB two, CB two is is massive on the opposite mm-hmm. side of of Tyson Campbell. I think that that's an area that they could that they could upgrade and they could improve their defense in that regard if they want to. I don't know what's going to happen at tight end because Evan Ingram signed a one year nine million dollar deal, and I think Evan Ingram would like to come back. I at least that's the vibe that I get. Evan Ingram would like to come back. I think the Jags would certainly like him to come back. He was a much bigger part of their passing attack than I feel like most people were projecting. But like, can they bring him back? Because he had a really good year. Did he have? Let me. Did he have a career year? I would think he came close. Yeah, let me look at let me look at some of his. Stats he had seven hundred and sixty six yards, four touchdowns, seventy three catches. So he had career high in catches, career high in yards, and second, second most, most touchdowns. touchdowns that he's had in a single season. So this guy's going to be able to cash out a little bit more. Stay you know, with Doug. He was he was twenty eight years old, about twenty nine next year. He'd love to be in Jacksonville. What if they can't bring him back? If they can't bring him back, then all of a sudden tight end starts to become a major priority. And this might be, you know, back into the first round, maybe this is a potential target for a Darnell Washington or a Michael mm-hmm. Mayer, right? Depending on who comes off the board, because I think offensive tackle. Also, something you got to think about is Juwan Taylor going to be able to be brought back because he played better, I thought, this year. So I know that they want to bring him back. They want to prioritize the offensive line. They want to make things good for uh Good for Trevor standing back there. Make sure that uh, chemistry along the offensive line or deficiencies along the offensive line aren't a big worry. So tight end, especially a guy like Darnell Washington, we talked about him as like a sixth offensive tackle. That could come into play. Like yeah, that means that you don't have to re-sign Evan Ingram. It means you could help out the offensive line as well. So that's where that's where I'm kind of looking with Jacksonville. CB2, um, tight end, and offensive tackle are the areas specifically right tackle with Juwan Taylor are the areas where uh, I would look for Jacksonville to improve. Yeah. I mean, looking at their cap, it looks like the crypto guy did this, this, these books. I mean, they don't really have a lot of space. You said, to, they, the, you said they had, the crypto guy, the crypto man, Tom Brady's crypto man. So Shaq Griffin will be let go. Hey, that, hey, hey, don't, don't put that. Don't put that on top. It's not his fault, but I'm just kidding. Put it all on top. It's, it's all on Tom. So Shaq Griffin will be let go. Uh, the wait, whole... you can't wait. Hold on, you can't talk crap about crypto because we have a bunch of people talk about crypto in the comments. Uh, they, they are our most consistent commenters. <laughs> Sometimes they'll even get thirty-three replies on one comment. It's like its own forum. It's like Reddit under the YouTube comments for a stock exchange. Great one call. These, out. You're right. One I of, apologize. One of these times, I am. One of these times, I'm going to join the fun be the first comment that we have on our YouTube video. And I'm just going to be the one who writes out like, you know, I never really believed in crypto. You know, I, there is, I, and, and then I found this and it's just, you know, I'll start the, I'll start the bot thread. Twitter's gotten hit bad too lately. Every time I tweet something, it's like, uh, did anybody know where the link is for this? And then like an auto, a bot auto replies. It's really fun. Good times. So Jacksonville real quick. They'll probably move on from Shaq Griffin, who was on IR. They'll save $13.1 million there. There's not a lot of room here. I mean, there's really not. Roy Robertson Harris, they could save almost eight mil. Yeah, and they'll be they dead money. It, but he's but he's good. That right? Like, yeah, no. I but they, I know, but like what like they don't really have a choice. I guess restructures where this comes into play. Just extend Trevor Lawrence now. Yeah. And just, they can't just, even. The CBA just, wouldn't even let him. Oh, can they oh. not do that? Can you not like no. do it that quick? No, you have to have three accrued years. <sighs> yeah, I know. Bummer. I know. It's your, you're actually like, yeah. So tough. tough. So yeah, they'll have to make some moves to get under and, and bring some guys back. But Jax, we're excited about 
where they can go and what they can do mm-hmm. uh, with this offseason. The New York Giants at 26. I think one, if you showed one, somebody one position. I think if you showed somebody Tankathon today, but back in August, they would point at the Giants at 26, the 25th overall pick as the biggest surprise on this list. And mm-hmm. you were uh, you were shouting from the rooftops one position. Wide receiver. That's it. That's it. You're right. That's it. There's really just no way around it. Just draft a wide receiver. I mean, draft multiple wide receivers. Yeah, this is where you take you take the best one available here. Now, at, look, uh, shout out to Isaiah Hodgins, man. Like, no doubt, Richie James. Go shout out to Rich James. Shout out to Darius Slayton. But yeah. like Darius, Darius Slayton's a free agent, so he might not even be back, right? Yeah, I don't think he would stay. I mean, he might. What's the Giants' cap space? What's their uh, what's their effective cap space? If I was Darius Slayton, I would go somewhere that's going to use me as a vertical threat. Giants have the third most effective. Oh, they cap have money space to, in the NFL. But keep but, in mind, uh-huh. two guys not under contract: Daniel Jones and Saquon. Oh, sure, and Saquon. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's a good point too. But look, it's wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Draft Jordan Addison in the first round. Jordan, draft Parker Washington in the second round. Draft, um, I don't know, Xavier Hutchinson in the third round. Like, just they're, like, they're gonna put just, a lot just, on Wandale next year. Whoa, yeah, and like, why? I think I yeah. think Wandale has has some talent. I think that he could be he could definitely be effective. I, I also like Sterling Shepard, but it's just like injuries now at this point in his career. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how much you could rely on him, but. You need a potential wide receiver one, wide receiver two. It's not the best draft. I understand that. It is not as star-studded at the top with wide receivers. The first round is not going to be littered with all of these wide receivers that you're going to see like we saw this year with Drake London and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and uh, you know, even Flash and Jamison Williams, like those guys. It, it's, it's, it's not going to be that situation. But you've got to take a stab at at least a guy who could be a wide receiver two for you. Somebody who could be a major difference maker. Maybe you go out and you you get your major wide receiver one in next year's draft or something like that. Wide receiver is always something that you can get year after year, but it, it it's got to be more talented of a group than it was this year. Plain and simple. And I'll say this: I mean, you can't be starting Jalen Smith next to Gerard Davis in two thousand twenty three. It's the yeah, it's the it's the worst linebacker do. duo in football. It really is. And great Madden duo though, because they got speed. You know. Don't have to, you know, Madden even give him that anymore. Yeah, I look, you just you look, that's all you got to do. Just keep the speed yeah. up. You don't True. even, you, you get to ignore linebacker when you're doing a fantasy draft until much later in the draft. True. And then you just True. draft the two fast guys and you turn injuries off. You know, it's that's true. You you're absolutely right. Yeah. But in real life, but in real life, <laughs> this was a bad, bad group. Tough. I think the Giants will be taking a linebacker, uh, a linebacker with one of their first three picks in this yeah. draft. Got to help wink in the middle of the field. They'll have big expectations for that front next year. Dexter Lawrence, one of the best interior defensive linemen in football. Mm-hmm. They'll for a big leap for Kayvon Thibodeau next year. They're an interesting team, the Giants. They they need help at corner, but they could use another corner. This offensive line's still growing. You're right. They they gotta get a wide receiver. They have a lot of needs. A lot of needs. Well coached football team, though, that can when you're that well coached, you can get something out of fourth and fifth round picks as serviceable players. Mm-hmm. So that'll help the giants with all their needs. Cowboys. Cowboys are next on this list. Oh, buddy. I don't oh, know if Cowboys sh- fans are consuming content yet, but we're going to do it. Oh, they always, you know, they always got to consume content. You got to turn the page. Draft season. 
Well, wh- whenever they do turn the page, whenever they do decide on taking in content for the draft, guess who's going to be there for them? We are. It's like an Arm- alarm clock, too. Arms wide open. It goes off the same time every year. Big old Divisional rounds hug. over, draft season starts. I think for the Cowboys, uh, CB2 opposite Trayvon Diggs, um, I definitely think is something that they need an upgrade with in their secondary. That's an area of the team that I could see them really prioritizing at the back end of this draft, especially if a good one of these corners falls. And and there's a lot of corners to choose from, so maybe this could be a sweet spot where they get in on that that run. Tight end, I mean, Dalton Schultz is a free agent this year. I think he was the second. I think he was behind CeeDee Lamb for he had to be the most receiving yards let me look yeah he had to be um, he had 577 but it fe- it felt it definitely felt that way where are we here 577 he was number two on the team behind only cd lamb who had cd is- lamb had 1359 and then it was dalton schultz and then it was noah brown then it was michael gallup so i, I know that they have want. peyton hendershot they have jake ferguson but if schultz ends up walking you know michael mayer um, maybe Darnell Washington. We we brought them up already. I also think that Dalton Kincaid could be really great for the Cowboys, but you don't need. I don't think you need to draft him at the back end of the first round. I think you could probably get him somewhere in the second round. So I think tight end is it is a legitimate upgrade possibility for the Cowboys. Um, and then I also have wide receiver. Depending on how, what happens with running back, like can they finally get out of Zeke's contract? They can. Here's the question. Oh, man. They actually so, do it for so many years. I looked up Ezekiel Elliott's contract and I was just like, okay, well, I mean, they, I mean, I can't get out of it. I mean, it's not even really great though, by the way. It, next holy year. cow. It's not, it's not great, but they can still do it. They have 11, they get 11 mil dead money, but they save four, 4.8, almost five. Yeah. Yeah. Almost five, but it's almost 12 dead money, but it's almost 12 and dead money. Yeah. He's going to get restructured. I dude, bet on it. Dude, what was this contract, man? Oh. An all-timer. Dude, his, his stats stunk down the end, too. I mean, he's just not the same guy. No, clearly. he uh... Compared to what he's paid. Okay. Zeke... Zeke did not rush for 100 yards all year. I'm not surprised. His... His... his rushing total his high in rushing yards was 92 against the giants in week 12 he had one other game in which he rushed for over 80 yards and lost to philly he rushed for 81 yards last four games of the season including the playoffs he rushed for 37 yards on 19 carries 10 yards on eight carries 27 yards on 13 carries 26 yards on 10 carries. That's a 1.9, 1.2, 2.0, 2.6 yards per attempt average. It ain't getting prettier, folks. Career lows. Yeah. Career lows in rushing yards. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, in 2017, he played 10 games, and he had more rushing yards than this year where he played 15. Career lows in rushing yards, career lows in first downs, yards, yards per, per attempt, 3.8, yards per game, 58.4, uh, and receiving yards as well. Yeah, targets, low. catches, receiving yards, receiving yards non-factor. per reception, non-factor. complete non-factor. And then you have Tony Pollard, who, you know, rooting for his recovery from injury, but 
I think he had the highest explosive play rate per touch, I want to say, for guys qualified, or at least near the top. So that that's a big Bijan Bijan Robinson is what I'm hearing. I mean, would you be shocked? They just cut Z. I would actually, you know, Pollard I would walk. I I don't think B. John's on the board at this point, but I will also say that I wouldn't be shocked if they, if Jerry Jones is like, yeah, go get Jameer Gibbs. Mm, like, go two. get Jameer Gibbs. Go Alabama up and round two. Back. You have to go up in round two. No, I'm saying like at the back end of the first round. <laughs> what, what do you mean, brother? What are you making that face for? Do we cover the I draft or do we cover true. the draft? It's really the... I don't like this tweet because I'm in it. <laughs> oh, no. No, draft true. the Cowboys fans. Draft the corner. Draft corner. the corner. Do the right yeah. thing. They And you're right. They Wide receiver just... You felt Amari Cooper's departure this year. You really, really did. It was all CD dependent. Gallup yeah. was okay. Not great. Just okay. T.Y. Hilton's out there playing snaps. What, I mean, what are we doing? They'll draft the crap out of Michael Mayer if he's still on the board. I am very bullish on Jake Ferguson in the Dalton Schultz role. Okay. I don't know if they are, but I am. As somebody who has dynasty shares. Jake All right, Buff- Buffalo Bills. Uh, last team. Last team, the Buffalo Bills. Maybe the... Uh, do I call them... Are they the biggest disappointment so far? No. Who do you think was more disappointing? There's no way. I'm not going to agree with that. I, no, I, just, I, I should rephrase that. Not on the season. I mean in the playoffs. Um, I think Minnesota was a massive disappointment, if I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't even pick them to win that game. I didn't either, but still. <laughs> See? I mean, I did. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you go 13-4, man. You go 13-4, you're hosting a playoff game. And you lose the... The Giants, who were supposed to be rebuilding, and you and you it's lose pretty the, bad, and you lose That's, the Giants. Right. They're supposed to be rebuilding by throwing it six yards short of the sticks on fourth and eight. How about the Chargers blowing a twenty-seven no, nothing lead? Not. Obviously, the Chargers are all right. So bad. the Bills, sorry, it was a little harsh. You're not the biggest disappointment, but we all know that you are. Um, you know, they won seven, and then they they don't make it back because they lose in the divisional round, and they, they have needs. The Bills, for as good as they are, Trevor, totally. yes. have significant needs. I think. It's safe to say Gabe Davis did not live up to being their second wide receiver, and they cannot go into next year. Hell, I would you be shocked if this is the team that trades for DeAndre Hopkins if they can make the money part work? Because I would. Oh, that would be great. That's absolutely what Buffalo should do. I agree. I, I have. Go I mean, it. I have wide receiver as my. Well, I have wide receiver is one of the top needs for them. I also have offensive line. Here's no a, here's here's a stat. Oh man, who did I get this from? I want to credit who I got this from. Well, you could do that. Um, I have two things to read off while you look. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Important to note with the Bills here is that, you know, they've kind of been playing with very low cap hits for the last two years with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Those cap hits finally go up. Josh Allen will be hovering close to a $40 million cap hit next year. Stephon Diggs will be hovering at a cap hit over $20 million next year. So the Bills are going to have to be a little bit more tight with how they allocate their money because they've been able to keep the cap hits for those two superstars very low. And that will significantly go up. And 
it's going to create interesting decisions for them as they deal with key free agents like Jordan Poyer, who's been excellent for that team for a long time. Of course, Tremaine Edmonds uh, in the middle of the field for them. So the Bills, the Bills have massive decisions that are internal before they even get to their external options. Okay, so this is from Zebra Sports. Josh Allen was blitzed on 52.2% of his dropbacks, his highest rate faced since week 14 of 2020, and he faced a career-high 47.8% pressure rate against Miami. That wasn't this past weekend. Mm-hmm. But that was just that was against that was against the Miami Dolphins. It's got to be better up front. You and and I think that I guess I should say that to me says two different things. One, you got to get a quick game wide receiver. You got to get a Josh Downs. You got to get a Jaskin Smith and Jigba. You got to get a Zay Flowers. You got to get Kirby that or no? Um, in year two. Yeah, I mean, so so I I like Khalil Shakir, and I suppose he can be. I just didn't. I I mean, I don't think he's like this all world yards after catch kind of an athlete. Like yeah. maybe some of those other wide. Well, I'm not, I, I just called him all world. To answer your question, yes, I guess I didn't really think of Khalil Shakir as potentially filling that role. Maybe he can, but whoever it is, whether they're getting somebody in the draft, whether it's Khalil Shakir, you need a quick game guy. You've got to get somebody to where when the defense is clearly allocating extra blitzes towards the pocket, you go, all right, this guy's coming across the middle of the field. Like we're running more mesh stuff. We're we're running more quick game. I'm getting the ball in this guy's hand. And Allen's able to diagnose that. Help out your offensive line a little bit by getting an offensive weapon who can really put a hurting on the defense when they take guys from coverage and bring him at the line of scrimmage also improve the offensive line i think interior offensive lines an area that they definitely need to improve on and i just think offensive line in general it's got to be better in buffalo so the guys up front um i think i read a stat that said i think dan orlovsky might have tweeted this they the bills had 14 snaps out of the shotgun in which they ran the ball against the Bengals and got one yard doing so like it's just got to be better like you got you got to be better don't you gotta, do that anymore well sure but like it, and if you're if you're going to it's just got to be a lot better up front so if that's the way you want to run things you just got to be better up front and i think that that's where a decent amount of because the margin for error like we started the show saying the margin for error for the for the bills is small unfortunately when you talk about going up against the Chiefs or the Bengals in the divisional round, which they could very well be doing again next year, those teams are so good that if, if you are not up to par in the offensive line, if you are not able to run the football the way you need to, if you do not have the quick game weapons that can alleviate pressure on the pocket, sometimes this is the only difference that you need. And these other really good football teams are going to make you pay for it. And I just think those are the areas in which uh, Buffalo is deficient right now. And where they need upgrades is wide receiver, offensive line, and then potentially running back as well, depending on what kind of running backs might be on the board. I'll go specific too. Spencer Brown is a weak link on that offensive line for me. Uh, I would look at Darnell Wright from Tennessee. I would look at Dewan Jones from Ohio State. I would look to upgrade right tackle. Um, obviously, Roger Saffold's a weakness at left guard, but I, I think they'll find a, a vet to step in there. But you're right, Trevor. O-line, huge problem for them. It's got to be better. Got to keep Josh Allen a little bit more upright. And and kind of add to their laundry list of you know because I, I I 
sound so pessimistic when I talk about the Bills, but I don't evaluate them the same way as a lot of these teams. When I talk about their needs, I talk about the Bills being Super Bowl ready or not. Mm-hmm. With other teams, it's taking steps forward. Mm-hmm. With the Bills, I go, this is what you got to do to win a Super Bowl. And right. if you're a Bills fan, and I know plenty of you think this way, um, it's probably the fan base outside of the Jets that I find myself closest with being here in New York and under and having a lot of mutual friends that cover that team. That's how they evaluate it. Like, this is what we need to do to win the Super Bowl, and anything less than that right now is a failure. And mm-hmm. I applaud that and think that's how things should be viewed up there in Buffalo by this point. That's standard, man. It's such a difficult standard, but when you and get there get as a team, tough it's to tough. operate that way. You're it 100% is. right. It is. It's really tough. And, um, you know, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have their work cut out for them because every year that you have Super Bowl aspirations and you don't even make it there makes it that much hotter. more difficult to keep the window open. And so this offseason is going to be massive for this team because if they have another year where they don't make the Super Bowl, I mean, the window might be closing. Like if nothing else, but for morale, like you might, you might, I shoot, we, we, not that I think that they're going to like get rid of Stefan Diggs or anything, but we saw the reports after the game where like Stefan Diggs basically just like tried to get out of the stadium as fast as possible. Like, yeah, he's just like, he's done. And Stefan Diggs two years ago had that image where he sat there and he stood and he watched the Kansas city chiefs celebrate their victory over him. And it was almost like, I'm going to watch this and I'm going to remember this and I'm going to come back next year. Well, now it's been two years since then. And Stefan Diggs is just like, he's fed up at this point. And I do think that Buffalo is now in kind of this danger zone where even if the the contracts and the players don't necessarily say that you're no longer in a winning window, if you lose this, if if you cannot at least get there next year, you start to lose people, if nothing else, but because they're impatient. And is that fair? No. Having a team standard be win the Super Bowl or bust is never fair. I just don't think it, not even for the Chiefs. Like it's just it one franchise wins that every year. To say that the window is open is reasonable. To say that you have a chance is reasonable. To say win a Super Bowl or bust, I always have such a hard time accepting that. But with like Buffalo, bad decisions. But with and but with Buffalo not even making it over the last couple of years. If they go another year next year and don't make the Super Bowl, might be tough times in Buffalo ahead. It's just tough when those Yeah, I mean, they're going to look around and go, what do we need to do to get yeah. over the hump? And Because then you potentially start firing really good head coaches, really good offense coordinators. Exactly, yes. Yeah, and, and it could just get, it could get ugly. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you just need to shake it up and get a, you know, the message gets stale in place. I'm not saying the message right. got stale in Buffalo, not even close, but you're right that you, if this happens again in a year, then yes, mm-hmm. people will ask that question and it's justified. Yeah. Um, we obviously talked about a lot of uh, players today who could be joining these teams. If you want to get in on making some money investing in the stocks of these players once they get drafted, you could do so. Thanks to our friends over at Mojo. Mojo is the all-new sports stock market that lets you invest in your favorite athletes and cash in on your passions. You can sign up right now in the Apple App Store and get your first player stock for free worth up to tens of thousands of dollars if you get in early enough. Over 300 rookies, sorry, over 300 players are listed on Mojo right now so you can invest in uh, rookies this past year like Drake London, like Chris Olave, guys like that, some comeback candidates like we saw with uh, with Saquon Barkley, with Geno Smith, 
underrated guys. Like if you would have got in on Brock Purdy's very early, you'd be cashing in a check right now if you were selling it. Go long and make money when an underrated diamond in the rough breaks out. Or you could even short sell an overrated rival as he flops. So you can make some money that way too. Prices move with every play, every game, and every headline. So you can buy and sell instantly anytime all year long. So the action never stops. Mojo is live in New Jersey right now. So download Mojo in the Apple App Store today. Start turning your playmakers into moneymakers. Must be 21 years or older and located in the great state of New Jersey to use Mojo. If you got a gambling problem, help is available at 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit mojo.com for more details. Connor, anything before we get out of here? Uh, I think we have a you know wild week ahead. We'll get back to the teams that are more in the front of the draft. Kind of leave Thursday show open right now. I don't know if we're going to do a rankings or a rebuild, a fixing hmm. franchise. Hmm. Hmm. We'll ponder on it. We'll let we'll people know. We'll, we'll let people know during the next episode. Either way, fun week ahead. Plenty of content. Thanks for everybody that stuck with us. That we know you like this episode in your feed Monday mornings. Sometimes life gets in the way on Sundays, so we appreciate mm. you accepting that it is one day late and for rocking with us. Appreciate everybody who watched the show. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think these teams could be doing in the upcoming draft, whether it's the first round, second round, third round, whatever. Let us know what you think their team needs are. And uh, let us know what you thought of this conversation that we have here. If you're watching on YouTube, a great way to get in on the conversation with everybody, not just us, is uh, commenting on the YouTube video. So please do that. Oh, and of course, if you have not done so yet, please uh, like the video, subscribe to to the channel. We would really appreciate that too. So you make sure that you can come back and rock with us every episode that we have. You can also hit us up on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey and at Connor J. Rogers. Hit us up on Instagram as well. We love going back and forth with you guys just talking draft because it's something that we absolutely love to do. We will be back with you on a regularly scheduled Wednesday edition of the show. I'm Trevor Sycamore. That is Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for watching the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. We'll see you guys next time. We'll